Matthew 11, 12 reads like this. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Lord, I, I thank you for this day and, and allowing us to highlight a portion of our ministry that, that doesn't take a lot of effort from everybody, just enough that we bring our our forces together, the synergy that's created is able to establish a global ministry out of a people who are not a people. Out of a humble ministry there from the streets, the ghetto streets of East LA to an international ministry. Truly, you're a great and awesome God. I ask Holy Spirit that you would touch our lives and open up the eyes of our understanding to see what this is all about, the call that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So if we're going to discuss United We Can, we need to understand the vision of Victory Outreach. You boil it down to reach the lost, but even, I think we boil it down even deeper to reach the unwanted. I, we have termed this, I have termed this, and I've done several studies a Davidic anointing. If you know, if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 22, you don't have to go there for the sake of time. It said that King David went to the king, the cave of Abdullah and all those people that were in distress, indebted and discontented gathered around him. They went there and, and initially began with about 400 men. But that was his first army, but then began to grow and grow and grow. And those are whom we have the best results are those that are distressed, indebted, discontented with life, with, 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 with things are going. Whatever the reason, God has given us an anointing to, to minister to those people and bring them out of their dilemma. Amen. I pray uh, most of us are familiar, or uh, after today you will be familiar with Isaiah 45, 2 and 3, which reads, I will go before you and level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures out of darkness, riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel who summons you by name. See, and, and you have to understand this first part of, of the scripture is very descriptive where it says this. I, there's a pronoun, the word I is there. I will do this. I will do that. I, so the promise is God is going to do this, Period. That's the only way we could grow a ministry. Because if you look at the way we began, there was no way it could happen. God had to do that. He said, I'm going to do this. I will do this. I'll cut down the gates. I'll break down the bars. I will, I will do all these. I am going to do this. Why? So that you will know that I am the Lord who summons you. That was the first part. So, and we, we're good at coming and, and attacking the, the mountains in our life. Huh? The gates of bronze, the ungodly authorities, authorities that rule you, the bars of iron, the prisons that many live in. And I'm not talking about the prisons there in Canyon City. Those are the, the visible prisons, but many people live in the prisons of their life, their minds, their hurt, their battles, their afflictions, their perversions, their abuses. And we're here to cut through those bars. Why? Because we are treasures out of darkness. I am a treasure out of darkness. 
See, if it wasn't for God coming into my neighborhood, my God, godless neighborhood, my crime-infested neighborhood, my drug-infested neighborhood, and interrupted my miserable life, I don't know what I, what be, what I ought to be doing. I tell everybody, when I, came, when I came to the Lord, I was just a guy in the neighborhood, right? And I, so I went from, I could use LSD or PCP because I did all that stuff. I went from LSD to PhD, amen? Come on now. So well, God restored my mind, put me back, and he, and he placed that call on my life. And then the, the second part of that, of that, that promise that we have is Isaiah 54, 2 and through. This is where it goes from I to what are we going to do? See, God is doing his part. That's why I'm amazed. You know, they said, what'd you do? I, I came to Colorado, and I, I moved into a house, and I opened the bottom two bedrooms and said, I'm going to put drug addicts down there. They said, that's the plan. I go, that's the plan. Well, how are you going to get them? I don't know. Because I didn't have to know. Because God said, I will give them to you. See, when God says, I'm going to give them, guess what? He gives them. I opened the room. Next thing I know, it got filled up. I had some crazy fools living downstairs. I go, oh, you're right. You gave me some crazy people. And they just moved in. And so that's why when God, I, the guy said, oh, well, I need a bigger place. Don't worry about it. He brought a campus for the camp, 2818 North Nevada. He goes, I'm going to give you the campus. And guess what? I'm going to bring them. It's not nothing I do. We don't have a strategy. We don't have a marketing plan. We just said, you need help? You come over here. And God does the rest. Opens the doors. Amen? But in the second part, Isaiah 54, so what are we going to do? So this is where the church and those who went to the program have come into play. It says there, enlarge the place of your tent. Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtain wide. Do not, hold, do not hold back. Lengthen your cord. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. And see, this is why we go to these desolate cities all over the world. Not because we have nothing better to do. We are under orders. God said, this is what you're going to do. So to get there, what do I have to do? To get to Asia, to plant a church in Asia, what do I have to do? I have to enlarge the tent. The church is the tent. This speaks of fortifying leadership and, and maturing the congregation. See, once this is completed, God says in verse 3, you will spread out to the right and to the left, right? And then he says, your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. So this is something that we do. It's our part, right? God does his part, but we have to do our part. Enlarge, stretch, lengthen, strengthen, spread. See, once this is completed, again, God begins to move at a different level in our lives. So in this message, I will try to bring them together so we can understand why it is that we use and we talk about United We Can. Because it is United We Can. I have a friend in, in the Philippines who's been there for several years, and his, his wife was our, my secretary when I was the pastor there in Hayward. Right? And they're out there in the Philippines. So we're partnering with them. Boom. Because united, together we can't do it. See, and it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. It doesn't take a lot of people. Few people begin to unite. I, I mentioned earlier in my prayer, there's a synergy that takes place, a multiplication that takes place beyond. It's not addition. It begins to multiply the strength and the ability to reach out. So we have to go after the people we most attract. 
in Samuel, 1 Samuel 22, 2, it reads, All those who were in distress, in debt, or discontented gathered around King David, and he became their leader. That word distressed in the original language is matzkao. It means to narrow place, abstractly or figuratively, to confine or a disability, anguish, distress. Those disabled by their upbringing, those in anguish over the current situation. So we have a great anointing for those distressed in addictions. I've talked to, a matter of fact, I was, I was after I finished my, my first master's, I was deciding, should I go into uh, drug and alcohol, you know, to finish a PhD or education, right? I said, well, I don't know. So I, I applied to drug and alcohol places, and they rejected me. You know why? Because uh, I told them our success rate is 70%, those who complete the program. He goes, well, do you use best practice? I go, yeah, we do use the best practice. We use Jesus Christ in the morning, Jesus Christ at lunch, and Jesus Christ for dinner. And then we give them the snacks of the Holy Ghost in between. All those professors and those PhDs, those smarter people than me, couldn't understand that. They said, no, what is your methodology? Well, we go out there in the middle of the night, we pray, we lay hands on the people, and they get delivered and we bring them to the house. And then what do you do with them? Well, we teach them Bible studies. We, we teach them how to get around the Bible. And, and they didn't like that. He goes, well, how long have you been doing this? I've been doing this about 20 years. How long have you been doing it? Well, I've only been doing it 15. How, what's your success rate? Well, I don't have a program. Well, what do you do? I teach. I go, oh, my God, no wonder we're in trouble. I didn't say it to her. I just thought it. But they didn't want me because I didn't go up their ranks. Huh? They didn't, and, and in essence, I could have went in there and shown them another way that was working. Betty Ford, I think her, the Betty Ford uh, um, Drug and Alcohol Program there in California, their budget is $9 million a year, and they have an 8% success rate. Because you can get clean for 30 days, but a, a drug addict, it takes longer than 30 days. I'm going to tell you right now, you might, you know, people say, people in jail, especially in jail, big dummies. I'm in jail, though. I'm in clean. You ain't been clean. You've been wishing you would get loaded the whole time you are in jail. We'll find out when you get out if you're clean. You're just a sober dope fiend. See, a dope fiend's got to be dealt with. See, you know when you're delivered? You know when you're delivered, when the, you get to a dope fiend and you drop a bag in front of them, boom. Then you see if they're delivered. Well, right? So we, we have an anointing for that. That's who we reach. That's who we love to reach. Those who others cannot handle, right? So we have a great anointing for that. Those that may have lost their families because of their problem. And, he, and, and that often happens, especially with the women. They come into our program and they lost all their kids and, oh, and they want them back. And I, well, you better get right with the Lord. There's only one reason why you come to Victor Irish. We're, we tend to be like the last chance saloon because if you don't get it right here, we don't know what's going to happen to you. Right? Say amen. Huh? See, this verse illustrates how a person caught up in vices can neglect their children. Oh, I forgot to read it. Deuteronomy 28:53. Check this out. Check this out. It's amazing. Deuteronomy 28, 53. Then you shall eat the offspring of your own body, the flesh of your sons and of your daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you, during the siege and the distress by which your enemy will oppress you. 
Now, when I read that, I go, that is heavy, man. That's brutal. But see, what, he's under, what, what happens is there's no way a normal person with normal senses, with normal cognitive ability would ever do that to their children. We all know that. But we have seen people caught up in the vices that are so, so, so powerful and gripped them that they unwillingly give up their kids, neglect their children. In some countries, I think you've been mentioning, in some countries like Thailand, they, they pray, they don't pray, but they, they hope, they might pray to Buddha or whoever they pray to, that their children are girls because then they can sell them to survive. I went to, in the Philippines, you go out there and the prostitution and the poverty is so great that a girl will do anything for you for a dollar fifty. Anything. And, they, and you look at them and you're in sorrow. Why? Because they don't know any way out. They don't know what else to do. See, that's why God called us to go out and to reach out. Why? Because if we don't go out, there very few people want to deal with the people we will deal with. It's an urgency. Hmm? The siege of their life is so great. Nothing but the creative of the heavens and the earth can help them. Uh, nothing. Caught up in the life, allowing their situation to destroy their family. They're distraught. The indebted, that word indebted is nasha, which means to be led astray mentally, to delude, to seduce, beguile, deceive. That's what that word indebted means. It doesn't mean financially, like we would think financial. No, no. When you're, when, you're, when you're indebted mentally, you're deluded morally, you're seduced, you're beguiled, you're deceived. And how many of us have been led astray by the lies, sweet talk? Huh? See, notice this word debt means to seduce or deceive. You ever been in, in debt, borrowed some money? Life seduced you enough to, that you had to get in debt? It, it does, not, does it feel good to be in debt? Heck, especially when they call your phone. 888888, don't, don't answer it. Or 800, 800-800, oh, don't answer it. The predator is after you. That's bad enough. But what if you're in debt to a person? Hmm? So we, we, we need to advance the vision to reach these people, young people. We need to enlarge our gang, our God's anointed, God's, our God's anointed now generation and the God's anointed next generation. Why? Because this generation, if, if us adults, hello adults, don't wake up, your grandbabies are going to be doing things that you could not even imagine they would do. Because it's getting worse and worse and worse. My goodness, we're arguing about what kind of bathroom the man should use. What kind, uh, we're arguing if I'm a girl today or a guy tomorrow. We're, gender, we're talking about gender fluid. If we don't do something and establish something strong enough in this community, our children, your, your aunts, your, your, your nieces and nephews are going to be doing things. And then you're going to say, what can I do? Hey, you should have started years ago. That's why I appreciate us starting with our kids with that super giver. Why? Because if you don't start when they're young, you don't, don't think you're also going to wake up one day and get them when they're older. They're going to tell you where to go. Get lost. Get off me. Should have spoke to me when you had a chance. Well, that's, see, that's how, 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 how urgent it is. This is just not church, although it is church. It's more than church. There is a battle for the souls of our, of our friends and family. 
not just church. We come for those that's discontented. That word discontented means mar, by the feminist, mara, which means bitter, angry, discontented. You know what I'm talking about? That lonely housewife or that abused single man that, 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 whose, whose baby's daddy is just running amok and is no good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That, that is prominent. 75% of all black families are single Parents, why? Because some brother come in there, get the girl pregnant, and when they get mad, they split. And they leave them to themselves. It ain't much better now for Hispanics. Why? Life, life is coming at you. Oh, we're not standing up. We got to stand up. Say, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. You don't act like that. Be a man, not a male. Anybody's a male, you're born a male, but you, you have to be a man because anyone who would come and get a girl pregnant and split is not a man. Well, I'm getting angry, huh? Let me get back over here. Unity. So we have to come together because unity is what we're talking about. United we can. Unity requires consistency. We have to be consistent when we're united. Huh? I like when Paul was talking to the, to the Thessalonican church there in 2 Thessalonica. He tells them this, never tire of doing what is right. And, and, and you'll get tired, but keep it going. Never, but you always got to do what is right. Do what is right in your prayer life. Do what is right in your Bible study. Because huh? many don't take learning the word seriously. It's, it's, a, it's an after effect. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hobby. It shouldn't be a hobby. It should be the center of your life. And everything else should flow from that. Become the greatest engineer, the greatest inventor. But it should start with the Bible. See, we forget. You look in history. Galileo spoke more about the Bible than any other topic. But all we hear about Galileo and, and all, all his scientific advancement. Newton, it's more about the apple falling down and him discovering the, the gravity. He preached the gospel more, ten times more than, than his scientific advancements. In fact, I would say it was his relationship with God that made him the greatest scientist. Hmm. You can keep going on and on. Michelangelo, all these people. But now it's like, well, well if I got time, I'll read the Bible, you know. Bible was cool, right? And you're looking for the book of John, you don't know where it's at. Go to the book of Genesis, where's that one at? Right? And, and we're talking about the Word of God. See, I'm, I'm like a logical guy. If, if the Bible is the Word of God, logic says, man, this, this, this has got to be the most important thing. Because if this dude in here in the Bible created the heavens and the earth, if this dude right here did all that everybody's talking about, woo, we better get into it. But it's not. Most people are like, oh, it's a Bible. They, they, everybody has a Bible on their shelf. When they pick it up, they got to have a, a mask because the dust comes off. <laughs> well, I'm trying to preach myself happy. No, we got to be better than that. We have to study. We have to learn about this person they call Jesus. We have to, we have to figure out what is it, what is it talking about this, this Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost? Is that like Casper the Friendly Ghost? No, it's different. We have to learn about these things. Why? Because this is, should be the center of our life. Church attendance should be a, a priority. Church involvement. See, church involvement is not for the benefit of the church. Church involvement is for your benefit. Because listen, here's a principle. It's like gravity. God cannot work in you 
unless he's working through you. And if he's not working through you, you may know all about it, but he's not working in you. It would, it would be a waste of effort to work in you if he was never going to work through you. His goal, the, all, the whole intent for Jesus coming back is to find people who would work with him, alongside him. Let me work through you. And as he's coming through you, he's working in you. Yeah. Oh, that's what church involvement does. We have to, we have to do that. So the way to, to stay humble, to stay involved in church activities, activities in church teach obedience. Teach teamwork. Obedience teaches leadership. Leadership will benefit you everywhere. My son is, is now uh, going to manage a Rayleigh supermarket, like a Safeway, right? And you know what he's telling me? It makes me feel good. He's in California. He goes, Dad, Pops, he called me Pop, Pops. You know, that, that class you had at the Bible in the, at the church and you're, taught, you're teaching, I use everything you show me here. I, and what happened? He goes, they're going to give me my own store. I go, really? Yeah, praise the Lord. I go, yeah. He goes, I'm just doing what you taught us to do in the church. I go, you keep doing that. Before you know, you won't just be running one store. You can, they're going to make you a, region or a supervisor over all that whole region of Northern California. You just keep doing it. Why? Because you're applying godly principles, right? And God's going to give you favor, and he's going to raise you up. And when you get that good job, you got to buy me a couple of tacos and take me out to dinner. Amen. Come on, good Come, come over here. Come tie over here. Amen. Consistency. We have to be the committed. We have to be consistent people. Because consistency breeds a certain type of Christian. So if you're flaky up and down, in and out, you know, can't really trust on, you know how I'm talking about. You know, that, that brother, you never ask, how are you? You go into him and go, who are you today? Because you never know how they're going to act. They're, they're schizophrenic, spiritually schizophrenic. Right? No, we have to be consistent. The same. Cool. Calm. Not too happy. Not too sad. I mean, we can have a good time, but you got to be right there in the middle. Consistency. Why? Because when you have, have that kind of mentality, you want to be consistent in everything you do, you become faithful. The ability to hold your position and remain united. Faithful. You become forceful. The willingness to fight. That's why I opened that scripture. The, 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 the first scripture. Because if you're a Christian, this is one of your mandates. From the time of John the Baptist, we all heard of John the Baptist, right? My pastor wrote, wrote, spoke a great message on John the Baptist years ago. Huh? And the title was, Beheaded in the Right Direction. Amen? It's said, John the Baptist, he said, from that time, right, until now, it says, the, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people. Attack it. That's a New Living Translation. Violent people. Uh, what am I saying? It, Christianity is not for these crumb cake Christians. Christianity is not, is not for people that are lighter than the loafers and don't want to kick up any dust. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive. Jesus says, I've come to this earth not to bring unity, but to bring a sword. He goes, I will separate husband from wife, brother from sister, a mother from father. I will separate. Why? Because the word of God is offensive. It is. It brings an offense. It says, you're a sinner. Get right. That's what the word of God does. And one will say, you know, you're right. I'm a sinner. Another one will say, no, I'm not right. I'm okay. I'm, 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 I'm cool. Buddha says, I'm all right. And it'll begin to create division. So, but people don't want to offend. Oh, you never talk religion in, in, in gatherings because you don't want to offend nobody. This preacher wants to offend everybody if they take offense. I'm not trying to. I'm a very nice guy. I'll even make a joke. But I want to talk about Jesus Christ. 
how Jesus Christ set me free, how the holy power of the Holy, holy Ghost empowers me to do what I do. I'm called to preach. I'm called to teach. I'm called to go. So if you're offended, excuse me, but I'm going to preach the gospel, the full gospel. Huh? That's what the Bible says. Forcefully. Why? Because people that want the gospel will rise up. People that don't want the gospel, you can never convince them. I learned a long time ago, and you should understand this, our job is not to convince anybody. In fact, our job is to love them and accept them. If they want to be LBGTQ, go ahead. Go ahead with your bad self. And I still love you. I can still have coffee with you. I can still have a conversation with you. But I'm going to tell you the way you're living is wrong. If you can handle that, come on. Let's go eat a taco. But if you can't handle that, I'm sorry. Because this is the truth. And we have to give them the truth. There's only one way to heaven. One way. Buddha can't do it. Muhammad can't do it. Hare Krishna can't do it. Not one of the 30,000 gods that you can find in India, not one of them can do it. There's only one way to God. That's through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's it. That, my friend, is offensive. Because somebody is going to want to smack you in the jaw for telling them that. They are. But hey, it. Stick it out. We have to be consistent, that type of Christian. Huh? This translation suggests that we are forcefully advancing and violent people are coming at us. I like this because to me it says somebody, it says this. Somebody wants to fight. Right? Now I wasn't a real bad dude in the neighborhood. But I always tell people, I'm not a, I'm not a tough guy. I've never, I never like to pick on people. I, I, don't, I don't like bullies. I don't like that. It just bugs me. But if somebody came after me, they better be a bad dude. That's all I got to say. I'm not a tough guy, but you come after me, you better be a tough guy. Because somebody's going to hurt after this one's over. Right? Well, let me get back over here. I got to finish this. I'm almost done. See, we, consistency not only brings faithfulness, forcefulness, forcefulness, but fearlessness. And I believe, let me say this, this is what I really believe. I believe we are full of this type of people in Victory Outreach. Yeah. You wouldn't be here. Huh? You're a fearless person. Hmm? You're a fighter. That's why you're, that's why God brings you inside. You're probably tired of, of the way people act and tired of, tired of this mess, tired of these fakes and frauds and full-time broad roaming around you. You're tired of this and you want the real deal. That's why I came to Victory Outreach. I want the real deal. And I, you know what? I'm willing to fight for people that are lost and going to hell. I'm willing to fight for my family. I'm willing to fight for my wife. I'm willing to fight for my children. I'm not just going to sit around and, and, and just occupy time. I'm going to fight for what I think is right. Now, we don't fight in the normal way with fisticuffs, but we do fight. We do fight. In the spirit, we fight. Amen? So we have to be fearless. See, and the reason we're fearless, I think this. A lot of people, especially the guys in the home, guys and girls, should have been dead. Can I say that? We all have this experience. Well, man, the bullets went right. Phew, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, I got in a wreck. I, got in, I, I was out there. I flew through a windshield. I actually flew through a windshield. That was the trippiest thing in my life. Because I, I was like, like, it was almost slow motion. I felt like a cartoon. Hey, hey. Boom, I hit, the, I hit the hood. When I came to, my feet were on the, the, on the hood. And I'm lay, laying over the car, in front of the car. I'm looking around like, what the heck happened there? 
that was a trip. Right? How does that happen? Huh? How does that happen? So only God could, could, have, could have protected me. It was impossible. Huh? An uh, uh, inch either way, my head would have, would have met the, the frame of the car. I don't know how it happened. And the entire windshield was out in one piece laying next to me. I looked at the windshield. I go, whoa, that was a trip. I should have been dead. So I know the devil tried to kill me. I tell the devil, you should have killed me a long time ago, devil, when you had the chance. Because I'm a part of the VO Victory Hour. It's a Lazarus generation. We should be dead. But Jesus says, Albert, come forth. See, when you're in, the, in your lifestyle and you know you should have been dead, you can put your name there. Sister so-and-so, come forth. You were dead, but you're alive now. And because of that, we're fearless. Sometimes we're living on borrowed time. People say, why do you go to these ghettos in Africa and these ghettos and aren't you afraid? I go, oh, man, I should have been dead a long time ago. I'm living on borrowed time right now. And besides, you can't threaten me with heaven. Come on, yeah. Oh, aren't you afraid they'll kill you? Well, they'll just send me to heaven. You can't threaten me with I go anywhere. Let's go. Why? Because Jesus Christ set me free. Jesus Christ saved me. Huh? We are the Lazarus generation. See, remember our Davidic anointing. Like King David, we have mighty men and women of God. Mighty men. Mighty women. Like Jezreel. I like Jezreel in the Old Testament. Jezreel was there, and, and the enemy came. One of them came into his tent, and the Bible says that Jezreel, this chick is like V.O. chick. She's like my wife. The guy was sleeping, sleeping. So the Bible says he took a spike and nailed it through his temple. Boom, and nailed him to the ground. Boy, I like that scripture. That's the kind of VO women we need. Rugged, tough in the spirit. Nail that sucker to the ground. Huh? David's mighty men are women. They came all messed up, but God transformed them. David's mighty men. I, like, I even like the name Adino. Sound like one of my homeboys. Adino. The Bible says that he fought 800 men. Eleazar. He, they, they tried to pry his hand from his weapon because it stuck to his hand because he was fighting so much. Benaniah. Woo, Benaniah. Killed a lion on a snowy day. Jumped in a pit. Said, where's that kitty cat? Hee, kitty, kitty. Oh, these are David's mighty men. And these are the kind of men and women we need here in Victory Outreach. That's the kind of men we need. Mighty men and women. So this is what we're trying to do, to enlarge our tent, united we can. Because that consistency, which I began with, restores conviction. Huh? Because many of us are afraid because maybe our upbringing put a little bit of fear in you or had very little conviction. We're here to restore the conviction so that you would fear God. Because if you fear God, then you have nothing to fear. Because huh? the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing the Lord. So the problem is many have conviction in their, in their head, but not in their heart. And my job is to get that conviction to your heart. You have to have the conviction to want to serve the Lord. You, want to have, you have to have that conviction to want to endure trials. You have to have the ability to endure. Because yes. really walking for Jesus and doing something for him is going to test your endurance. It's going to test your endurance. That's why most people say, I don't want to really get too involved and step on the sideline and play cupcakes, you know, tiddlywinks with the devil. Because I don't want to get the devil too mad at me. So I'll just get a little bit involved, but not too much. Because every time I get involved, I always get hit. I've heard that many times. Every time I get involved, I get hit. Yeah, and every, you know why? And he doesn't even hit you that hard. You go, Pop. why? Because you're not a threat to him. 
You're not a threat. So we need Christians that are not running from the devil. We need Christians that are chasing him. Where's that devil at? Where's that punk at? You, that's how I get mad. You, 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 you caused my brother to be a heroin addict and die at 54, you punk. You, you caused my, both my uncles to OD and die heroin addicts, you punk. That's what he did to my family. You think I'm going to be afraid of that, that guy? No. That's, what, that's why I do what I do. That's why I learn more about the God. Because I know I can't fight in my own power. But under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. I know that. So i got to stay tight to this, raise my conviction level. Because I've seen what the enemy did to my family and my community. And it bothers me. It bothers me. So I'm convinced like never before that it will take this type of person to advance the vision and to remain united. Huh? This is what we're called to do, people. Because the enemy will attack. But we're up for the attack. See, if you, as long as you don't lose focus, the, the devil can't touch you. Focus, the center of tension, the focal point, your motivation. You don't get distracted. Because all he's trying to do is distract you. Stay focused. Because if you stay focused, you got them. So that's why lying tamers, lying tamers, you ever notice they have two things when they go with a lion? They have a whip, you ever see that? And they have a stool, a four-legged stool. And I go, wow, that's a trip. They have a gun on the side just in case, getting some, something. I mean, but they ain't that dumb. But I wouldn't get in there with a lion. But they have that. Why? Because they have learned that a lion, they are most aggressive and most effective when they can focus on their prey. So if, that's why the Bible says the, the devil is a roaring lion, right? So they can focus on the prey. So he focuses. But all you have to do is mess with his focus. So what the lion tamer does is put a, a stool, and now the lion has to look at the four legs. And once he looks at the four legs, right, he loses focus, and it stuns his action. He doesn't know what to do no more. He can't move. It's a loss of focus. See, the enemy knows that is our problem. So that's why we're so inundated with ideals and things to do. On TV, TV, do this, do that. I want this, I want that. TV, radio, car, uh, uh, furniture, uh, this, and all this. And why? We're losing focus. We've got all these things going on. And then the, the focus creates a pressure. Like, and sometimes people get under pressure. All this focus. Oh, what I got to do? My job. Oh, my children. Oh, my car. And you're, why? You're focused. Uh, the way to maintain focus is to focus on what God called you to do. When you focus on what God called you to do, all those other things fall in order. Because you're focused on what you need to focus on. And that's when the Bible says that God will fight your battles. God will direct the path of a righteous one. God will begin to do these things. But what happens, we don't allow God to be the focus of our life. So the enemy comes from every angle. Just not to, to trip you up, just to cause you to lose focus. Stay focused. I've been doing this, this ministry for 33 years, not here, but in Victor Outreach. And I stayed focused to one thing. Isaiah 45, 2 and 3. That's it. That's all I did. I don't do anything else. What you, what's your, oh, there it is. Nothing hasn't changed since the day I walked in. Everything I do is focused on that. If, if, if my meeting 
if my job, if my contact, if the financial blessing comes in and it's not focused on that, then it's the devil to me. I stay focused. So you have to stay focused. Otherwise, you'll lose your drive and passion. You'll lose your discipline as my piano player comes up and fear will creep in. Listen, Satan is after our families. Let me say that again in case you didn't hear me. Satan, the devil, this world is after our families. Do we have a cause worth fighting for? That's, that's what it is. Do we have a cause? I believe in what we're doing. I believe it the day I walked in off my street corner. I said, I'm going to do this to the day I die. Because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what else to do. I was lost. I couldn't stop doing drugs. I couldn't shake this violent nature I had. I, I, I couldn't shake the anger and the hate for people, hoping that they'd get me mad. Just hoping somebody would get me mad so I could just punch them in the jaw. Just get me mad. I need a reason. I don't want to just hit you, but just get me mad. What kind of a life is that? That's a tormented life. And then God came. Then God sent this pastor, Pastor Steve, my pastor, sent him to the corner of my neighborhood preaching Jesus. And I said, what the heck is really going on? Who is this dude? And he shared the love of God. And I said, man, because I didn't know. Remember, I wasn't raised in church. Never, never, never been to church. I got kicked out of the Catholic church at second grade because I wouldn't pray to Mary. My mother was involved in witchcraft all her life. All she did was practice witchcraft. Didn't know anything. And here's this guy talking about God. And I said, God, if this is true, if this is true, I'm going to take a leap. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it because I don't know what else to do. That's what drew me, this vision. And it worked. I'm proof. It worked. I wouldn't have a wife that loves me if I hadn't came to the Lord. I know that. I wouldn't have a son who plays piano better than most pianos I've ever seen. And I'm a musician. I got bad. I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't have a daughter living in California with the founder, Victor Outreach, living there with her husband, being trained under the main man. Traveling all over. She travels all over preaching and teaching. I wouldn't have a son-in-law who is now a regional over multiple churches there in California. I wouldn't have had all that. God is good. What we're doing is right. And we can never tire of doing what is right. Though it gets hard, and it does, don't give up. Because what we're doing is right. It's the right thing to do. We should all get behind it and do it. We should back up that man, his vision. Because it's the right thing to do. So you belong to something much greater than this church. No. Zechariah says this. It's not by power, not by might, but, my, but my, by my spirit, says the Lord. And see, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I get the blessing and the opportunity 
to partner with the power of the Holy Spirit because we have a great vision. United, we can. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.